Several years ago, um, I was able to go on a fishing trip. And uh, it was a fun fishing trip. David went on that fishing trip with me. Uh, and we had a good time. And uh, not only did David go on that fishing trip with me, but Mac went on that fishing trip with me and Roy Wagers. And yes, we caught a few fish that day. But I'm not here to tell you about that great trip that we had fishing, and I'm not even here to impress you with my fishing skills. Uh, I'm sure Mac would be much better qualified to do that than I would, uh, for sure. You see, the fact is, is that the guides on the boat threw the lines out, they baited the hooks, they threw them out, uh, they set the poles, and all we had to do is when they started to go like that, we grabbed it and started reeling it in. Now that was some work to it, wasn't it, Mac? There was a few of those fish that really fought. We had a good 20-minute fight, you know, on one of those fish trying to get that thing in the boat. It was a lot of fun. You know, and when we got back to the dock, we didn't have to be chefs. They, they filleted the things for us, and they, you know, we threw them into our cooler and went home and enjoyed them. It was a wonderful trip. You know, it's interesting when you look at the whole image of fish in the New Testament uh, and how that image is used to show uh, the power of God uh, in the ministry of Jesus Christ. Of course, later the fish became a symbol for Christians as they were under persecution in particular. Uh, a symbol for them reminding them that a fish is more than just a meal. A fish symbolized for them the authority, the nature, and the accomplishments of their Lord. Now, our text today comes from Luke. And uh, guess what? Luke is going to be our subject for Bible Bowl this year. Uh, and so I want to encourage all of you, uh, not just our kids, but all of you, to be reading uh, Luke it's a great book, and when you're done with Luke, go straight on to Acts, because Luke wrote Acts, and he wrote it as uh, volume two of volume one. So uh, get a chance and read both those together. It's an exciting study uh, and really uh, encouraging, but especially Luke. That way we can encourage our kids uh, as they have uh, take the time to study and, and learn more about it. But today I want to do a quick survey of how fish played such an important part in the gospel story. The first time we see the fish in the gospel story is in the calling of the apostles. Uh, Matthew 5, 18 through 22, Mark 1, 14 through 20, and Luke 5, 1 through 15. Peter, Andrew, James, and John were all fishermen, and probably more of the apostles as well. And we read that it is while that they're at their work that Jesus calls them. Now, I don't believe that this is the first time they had encountered Jesus, but they are at their work when Jesus calls them especially to follow him. Now, Luke adds more details to the story of their calling by noting that the sign of Jesus' authority to call these men to follow him was that miraculous catch of fish. This authority is more than just a wow factor. It is showing that Christ has power over the basic elements of nature. Later in the Gospels, Jesus uh, will still the wind and the waves by simply commanding them to be still. Uh, and this blows away the apostles. You see, they may have been Jews believing in one God, but they also lived in a very pagan world, 
a world with, which was inhabited, supposedly, by gods, small g, and spirits and demons. Each of these entities had a territory that they governed. Your God may have authority over the mountains, but my God has authority over the sea. The world was filled with spiritual power, with mystery. And for Jesus to have power and authority over the lake and over the wind, it just impressed them. This was un un unprecedented for them. You see, they had been out on that lake fishing late at night. They had been in storms. They had seen things that they could not explain, scary things. Never, though, had they seen someone who combined the power that Jesus had, uh, the power to locate fish. Now, today we have our fish finders, don't we? <laughs> you know, and, and we say, oh, there they are, you know, and just kind of move your boat over to where they are. Well, they didn't have that back then. You know, the apostles relied on their knowledge, which I'm sure was quite great, of where the fish was usually at and what time of the day. And, uh, and then you had to rely on luck. And the apostles had been at it all night, and they had run out of both their knowledge and their luck. And Jesus says, do this, and they're going, you're crazy, Lord. But because you say so, we'll do it. You know, there's a little side lesson in there, isn't there? Sometimes the Lord tells us to do things. And we see that this is what the Lord really wants us to do, but we think this is crazy. There's no way we should do this. But obedience is a good thing. Because Peter obeyed and threw those nets out where the Lord told him to throw it out, he received a symbol, a sign, that Jesus Christ really was powerful. He was something more than just a good teacher. And it changed his life. And we, if we will do the same, it'll change our life. If we will be obedient to him, just as they were. And by the way, I'm not saying that the apostles were pagans by any means, worshiping other gods. I think they were good Jews, obviously, or Jesus wouldn't have called them. But they were, like a lot of fishermen today, a superstitious lot. Um, they were not perfect people. And so they struggle with this. The next fish encounter, you might say, is in the miraculous feeding of the masses uh, in Matthew 14, 1 through 21, 15, 32 through 38, Mark 6, 30 through 44, and Luke 9, uh, 10 through 17, and then John 6, 1 through 13. Notice there's a lot of accounts of this, two in, Mar in Matthew alone, uh, two different occasions, but two uh, re reportings of it. This is really important. If you have looked at the Gospels in your study, you will notice that not all the stories about Jesus end up in each one. You know, some have some, some have the others. This is one of those stories that all four Gospels get a hold of. Uh, and they get a hold of it in a big way. It impressed them. And it becomes that sign. Uh, that sign for the early church especially. Uh, and I think because it was a, a sign for the early church, we really should be paying attention to it. Uh, more for us as well. In each case, um, in the feeding of the miraculous, uh, of the mass, miraculous feeding of the masses, there were loaves of bread and there were a few small fish. Again, Jesus uses fish to make his point to the apostles and to others um, who would later then make that fish the natural symbol uh, for the Christian church, uh, even in some ways more prominent than the cross. Jesus, like God did for the children of Israel in the Exodus, 
was providing for the basic needs of the people. For the church, Jesus provides us, doesn't he? He provides us with a spiritual meal, something we just participated in today. But that spiritual meal for the early Christians, especially those in the second and early third century, who were being persecuted for their faith, um, this was a very important meal for them to gather around and to be, and to re, be able to remember uh, the provision that the Lord gave for us. Especially when he uses his, uh, the, the bread and the blood to symbolize his own body and his own blood. In Luke, the sixth chapter, verses 22 through 65. We learn a little bit earlier in the sixth chapter uh, of John that because of this miraculous feeding that he had accomplished, they wanted to make him king. Uh, matter of fact, it was in line with who they thought the Messiah would be. He would be that sh perfect shepherd king who would provide the needs of the people, who would heal the sick, who would be, have that power and authority that only one who came from God could have. But again, this miraculous feeding, the fish are used to show that Jesus is Lord. Though, of course, he is not the worldly Lord that they were looking for. Instead, looking to establish a spiritual kingdom. Now, a less obvious uh, reference to fish comes in Matthew, the 16th chapter, verses 1 through 4. There we read, The Pharisees and the Sadducees came to Jesus and tested him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. He replied, when evening comes, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, today, it will be stormy, because the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the, the signs of the times. A wicked and idolatrous generation looks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. Jesus then left them and went away. Now, by the sign of Jonah, Jesus is referring to the prophet Jonah, who refused to carry the message of God, uh, the warning to Nineveh, because Nineveh was evil, and he didn't want them to be spared. He wanted them to be destroyed. He ran the opposite direction. The Lord causes a storm to come up as he's on the boat, and it's discovered that he is the cause, and uh, he tells them, throw me overboard. He's thrown overboard, the sea's calm, and Jonah is given first-class special transportation in the belly of a fish. And Jonah is in that fish for three days. We read there in the uh, 17th verse of the first chapter. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Now Jesus is not saying that he's going to do what Jonah did and run the other direction. He is referring to his death, burial, and resurrection, where he came from the dead on the third day. Then the final scene in the gospel uh, that talks about John, uh, about fish, is in John chapter 21. This is the risen Lord using, again, a miraculous catch of fish to remind his apostles that he indeed is alive and that he still has power and authority. And so the fish, as a symbol, also takes itself into the idea of the risen Lord, not just into the Lord while he was on his earthly mission, but the risen Lord as well. Now, for Christians, don't you think this further cemented 
the whole idea of fish into their minds and hearts. It's, it's everywhere in the gospel if you're looking for it. The fish is a sign of authority. It's a sign of power to rule, a sign the risen Lord who had died on the cross for their sins, been buried and, uh, in the tomb and on the third day was raised again to life. It, it was a sign of all of that. Yes, the cross was still important, and it remains important to this day, doesn't it, of Jesus' redemptive work. But when those late second century Christians uh, were dealing with harsh persecution, they needed a sign that could be given that would not draw attention to them with the persecuting authorities, but also could convey the gospel story, especially Jesus' deity and authority. And the fish worked very well. Scratched into a door or a piece of broken pottery, it was passed undetected under the very noses of the persecutors. Now you might be wondering, why did it work so effectively? Well, that is a good question, and the answer, I think, can, even for us today, be an inspiration and be faith-affirming. The fish um, has a name in Greek, and the name in Greek is ichthus. Now, you say, ichthus, okay, what's that? Why is that so special? Well, you know, in modern life, we often have um, words that stand for things, right? You know, and, and uh, we, we shorten it down to a word, an acronym. Um, and this is such. Uh, when you take each one of the individual letters of uh, ichthus, uh, you have a name attached to it that, when you put it all together, does something really neat. It's Jesus Christos Theos Quios Soter. So, all of you understood that, right? Now you will. Jesus Christ, God's Son, Savior. So when you see that sign of the fish, it encapsulates the concept of who Jesus Christ is. Who he is and, and what he did for us. It's all right there, encapsulated in one simple symbol. And therefore, it was a reminder to the early church of what Jesus had done for them, who he was, and the power and authority that he still had as their risen Lord. Now, there's one aspect of the sign of the fish that I have left out. I wonder if you caught what I left out. One that comes from the very beginning. Perhaps some of you might have caught what I haven't mentioned or what I failed to mention um, right there in the passage from Luke when he's calling the apostles and demonstrates his authority with the miraculous catch of fish. But after he catches that and they, they, he got their attention, um, he says to Peter, come and I will make you fishers of men. So the sign of the fish not only symbolizes who Jesus was, but it symbolizes what your and my responsibility is to Jesus. It reminds us that like Jesus, we are to be fishers of men. We are to be fishing for those souls that are longing for the Lord. As we continue into this new year, I hope that this is a lesson that will make you more aware of who Christ is and how it is that we are to be like him.
So as you drive your car, and you see that car in front of you with the fish on the bumper, <laughs> let it be a reminder to you that Jesus Christ is Lord and that you are to be fishing for souls, just as he did. When you notice that uh, ichthus that's uh, depicted in jewelry that someone is wearing, let it remind yourself of who Jesus is and ask yourself if Jesus really is in your life the anointed one, the Christ, if you are really honoring him as God's son, if you have truly accepted him as your savior, and finally, if you are obeying him and being fishers of men. That is our task. And our risen Lord has given that to us. Uh, and the, the sign of the fish helps us to remember that we have a purpose. We were saved for a purpose. Um, we were saved, and what a glorious thing that is. But now let's take that good news and share it with others. If you're here today, we, this is good news. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. He is not there. He is at the Father's right hand. He died for you. And we want to give you the opportunity today to obey the gospel, to confess Jesus Christ as God's Son, to repent of your life lived apart from him, give yourself to him fully, confess his name as God's Son, and then be buried in the waters of baptism, where you die to sin, are buried with Christ, but then are raised to a newness of life, uh, a life that is empowered by his life, now placed within you through the Holy Spirit. If you're struggling with your walk with Christ, we want to encourage you to keep struggling. Uh, as Christians, we know that sometimes our faith is strong and sometimes our faith is, is weak. But the fish sign reminds us that Jesus Christ is God's Son and our Savior. And we have work to do, but we have one who is working in us to accomplish his goals. And that is God's Spirit, um, God's Son living and working through us. Today, whatever your need is, uh, we want to give you that opportunity to respond, to come, to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. So whatever your need is, prayers of the church or to be baptized into Christ, won't you come as we stand and as we sing?